Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. God's got good stuff for us today, and Tony has asked me to, to um, share this week the second week of our Supernatural series. And so we're going to, we're, uh, we're looking at supernaturally free from sin. And so I'm real excited. This is the line that he really had in his heart that we go over today. So can we just pray before we look into the word of God? We're so thankful for the truth. We're so thankful that truth actually makes us free. And, and, and we ask you to help us today uh, to, to be able to see what you want us to see, to understand what you want us to understand, to get a hold of, and then to put into practice your word because it's not just hearing the word that helps us. It's not just going to church and hearing something. It's while we're here, hearing something that we can apply. Help us to do it in Jesus' name. And Father, at the beginning, of, of sharing this word, we declare that your word is blessed, and I thank you for the helper, the Holy Spirit. I depend so on him, because spiritual things, with his help, are not complex and difficult. They're simple and easy to get a hold of and become tools in our life. Can you agree with me on that? Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's all say amen. amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, well, in the beginning, you know, going back to the book of Genesis, in the beginning, it starts that way. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and everything that in them is. And then at the end of that creation season, uh, the sixth day, he, he created the crowning part of his creation, and that was man. Everything in his creation, he said, was good. Everything that he created was perfect. There was nothing, there was nothing out of order or out of kilter at all in anything that God created. It was perfect in its inception. It was perfect in its design. That included man. Everything about man harmonized with himself. Everything about the way that God created worked together, not only with himself, but also with his world around him. Everything was in that garden. God had a tree, the tree of life. And man could eat of that tree if he chose, and that life was life as God intended it, God's intention. God himself is life. There is no death in him, and so it's perfect there was another tree also, and it was the, tra- the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of that tree. Not because he didn't want man to be smart, but what in eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man would take it upon himself to be the decider of what is good and bad. In being the decider, being the one who knows, he would be in a position to put himself in a place where he would know better than God about what was good for him, what was wrong. He was the one to say, this is good, that's bad, 
And so bad became good, good became bad. It all got messed up. And it wasn't even one generation later, just one generation later, then we had brothers killing themselves, we had dysfunction, we had, we had tragedy, and so, and so we're not gonna go home yet. <laughs> it sounds terrible, doesn't it? Jesus, uh, was, Jesus was the savior of this situation, so we see in Romans 5th chapter, in the 12th verse, it says, when Adam sinned, and that was in taking, in taking of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, he became independent from God, independent from life and love and, and um, life and love and as God intended for life to be lived. God, God's intention of his creation by design to be. He became independent of that. And when that happened, then man, uh, as a result of sin, uh, opened a door to death of separation from God. And so then Romans, the 12th chapter, opens up here. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And how that happened was Adam, uh, just by nature of what he was, being the first human to be created by God, had all of the rest of humanity, future humanity, in him. And so whatever he did was not private, even though his choice to do something different from what God had said to do even though what he did was in rebellion and raising up over what God had said to do, it was not a private decision in its effect because what he did affected all of humanity. All of humanity that was within him was affected. You and I were affected. He opened the door of sin and everything that affects us negatively came in and it says sin entered the world. Sin's, Adam's sin brought death or separation. So death spread to not just a few people. The Bible says everyone was affected and the reason why is because everyone has sinned. No one has escaped that. It passed on to everyone. That spiritual condition of sin was passed down in not only the spiritual uh, man, but also in our flesh. In Matthew, the first chapter in the 21st verse, I don't have that up on the screen, but I want to make mention of it. When, when Mary was carrying the Lord Jesus, expecting the Lord Jesus, and told Joseph that she was, of course, what could he think that his fiancée is expecting a child and it's not his. He knows it's not his. And so uh, the same angel that spoke to Mary came and spoke to Joseph and told Joseph, there's going to be a child to be born and this child is the son of God and you're to name his name Jesus. You're to give him the name of Jesus. Then he said something really interesting. He didn't say, and he's going to do all kind of miracles and signs and all kind of things. He said he's going to save people, his people, from their sin. 
their sin. Is that all? Actually, that's the root of anything else that needs to be fixed. Because it was through the door of sin that sickness came, that disease came, that dysfunction came. Everything came through that door. Jesus was to save his people from their sin. In Romans, the fifth chapter, excuse me, Hebrews, the seventh chapter. I just want to refer to this one too. Hebrews, the seventh chapter in verse 25, speaking about Jesus, it says that he is able, he has the ability to save to the uttermost. The King James Version says, this one, uh, the, the NLT says, save completely. Aren't you glad that Jesus has the ability to save completely? There's some people that have skills there in one area, but maybe they are on the back foot in other areas. Jesus in the area of saving has no back foot. He is great in all areas. Praise the name of the Lord. He's able to save completely those who come to him. Romans the fifth chapter in verse 17. For the sin of this one man, talking about Adam, caused death to rule. And we've underlined that word because you have to see the nature of, uh, of the way that sin is. It rules, all right, over many because even greater, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So, when sin came in, it came to rule and to dominate and to dictate. But, praise the Lord, through the Lord Jesus then, there is a possibility then for you and I, there is a work that provided for you and I to triumph over what had triumphed over us. Through Jesus' work, in Colossians, the first chapter, and verse 13, Jesus would be able to deliver us and draw us to himself out of, and I like the way these words are, the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so what Romans tells us is that whoever you yield your members to that is who you are servant to. And so when Adam surrendered his members or he, he gave his expression, he responded to the temptation that was in the garden through that serpent. He came under the lordship of Satan, under the lord of the kingdom of darkness. He came under that lordship and there was no escape from the kingdom of darkness. No way to get out. You couldn't do enough good works to get out. You couldn't buy your way out. You couldn't escape on your own. There's no way out of the realm of darkness. We had to have a savior. We had to have somebody rescue us and bless the Lord. He came. And Jesus came to do just that. And so um, if, if we could have that microphone, I would like for... Uh, I've asked three people, yes, yes, you could come up, and if uh, this is Kaylee Bush, and this is Glenn Johnson, and, and Leonie Flora, uh, if you'll come on up here, I would like for them to tell how Jesus, who is able to save to the uttermost, 
got them out of the kingdom of darkness. What the kingdom of darkness was to them, what it, they experienced in that realm, but how Jesus got them out. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Glenn, tell us about it. Um, thank you, Pastor Patsy. Um, yeah. I think um, I was come from a broken home. Mum was a Christian. Dad was not a Christian. Um, when I was 12, I started um, taking drugs. By the time I was 19, 17, I couldn't really go a day without drugs. Mm. And that continued. I led a fairly normal life um, up till I was 32. Well, as normal as drugs and that sort of environment is <laughs> Indeed. in the world. And I started to get sick and I started to get anxiety. Um, I'd have panic attacks. I, mm. you know, I couldn't function. And so I stopped working and I thought I'll just take a couple of months off. But of course, never stopped the drugs, of course. You know, it was like all the habits, the alcohol. And so um, I thought I'll... I'll go and see Passions of the Christ. I tried to get counselling. There was, it just revealed everything, but there was no power for healing. I got acupuncture. I got this. I bent over backwards. I did all the exercises. Nothing worked. And I went and I went and got high and went and seen Passions of the Christ. Um, yeah. As you do. And wow. I sort of um, I thought that was pretty true of what I remember of the Bible, that was good. I went home, had another joint, and um, everything started manifesting, all the sins mm. started manifesting, and I ended up in a dark place. It was mm. like a horror movie was inside me, and I couldn't escape it. I spent the next nine days um, not being able to eat, and not wow. being able to sleep. I could only sleep when I heard the Word of God preaching by Benny Hinn or Joyce Meyer, in the morning, and I thought that was really weird. And I, I just thought, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I was just falling apart. All my friends didn't want to know me because I'd always been the strongest one. And, and so they just disowned me, you're crazy. And I thought I was crazy. Uh, I knew I was going crazy. And I was seeing things and hearing voices that were not healthy. Mm. And um, I couldn't escape. Mum came and visited me. I was up in Cairns, mm. and she said to me, you need Jesus. I said, if Jesus is not real, Mum, I need to go to a mental institution because wow. I just, I found myself on the rail, about to throw myself off the rail wow. of my third-story apartment. Um, I didn't know how I got there. Um, and the night before, she came up, and so she goes, okay, let's pray. She, she said, let's say the sinner's prayer. I'm going, okay, whatever, yeah. And I was sitting down... My head was saying, I don't even believe in God. And my heart was saying, shut up. And, and I was just like, this is really weird. And so I just said the sinner's prayer. And um, next thing I know, I'm standing up and I'm worshipping the Lord. And this waterfall oh. of God's love was just washing over <laughs> me for about 20 minutes. It was just so, I felt so peaceful and so innocent like the most innocent child, you know, when you are a child, like a thousand times more innocent than that. And then um, God showed me a vision and I saw this man standing there in all this shining armour and I said, what's that God? He said, that's who I made you to be. Wow. And I was like, everything I thought I knew, I discarded and I realised that I knew nothing and I needed to know Jesus wow. more. At that point, yeah. Praise so you, Jesus. That was the start of my real journey.
Praise God. I love that. I want Kylie Bush to, to share also what happened with her. She was conceived, raised, and grew up with violence. Everything was violent around her, her home, domestic violence. And uh, as a child growing up in that and as an adolescent then, she be there was just despair everywhere around, no hope around, so she started looking for people who she could connect with because there was no connection in her home and the people that she connected with were people that grew up in the same in the same experience and so it began to spiral in that at the age of 15 she was she was dismissed from school and was diagnosed with clinical depression and post-traumatic stress disorder because it, how extreme everything was and and then uh, suicide began to be an oppressive pressure upon her life and at 16, she took a, a fatal overdose of medication in an attempt to end her life and uh, was on life support for a little bit. And wow, some, you tell bits of these things and then you just look and you're thinking, wait, it's somebody else. Cannot even be. But it was, tell us how Jesus stepped into all of this. Um, so... During this process, I was looking for refuge, and I was trying to take refuge in places that um, literally there was none. And so um, ultimately, it was God's love that found me where I was and huh. loved me out of where I was. So he, um, yeah, he pulled me from the miry clay and the destruction and chaos that had become my life because of generational sin. Um, and yeah, he provided the refuge for me, and, and that's how I suppose um, I committed myself to him. Was It was the first time in my life I had experienced peace. Wow. Um, because being entrenched in sin is a war zone, and so when I was able to take refuge in him, um, I learned to trust him, and as I trusted him, he began to be able to speak to me in my heart. He transformed my heart of stone into a heart of flesh, and God says that that he, um, he always leads us in triumph and um, for us to be led in triumph we have to learn to follow and so for me it was about surrender and yielding to a way that I'd never known mm. but Jesus says that he is the life, yes. you know, the truth and the way and so as I began, you know, when I surrendered to him he made a way uh, not just for myself but for every generation that will follow because I'm a mum of three boys and, um, you know, I came to, to know the Lord and walk with the Lord when I was 29. And so my youngest at that time was two. Uh -huh. um, and the places I was taking refuge in are no places for children. And so, wow. yeah, God redeemed not only me, but my children. Wow. Tell them what you're doing now. Uh, so now um, I work in the child protection sector. So I, um, yeah... I minister hope to other children that are in circumstances that I once Don't was. Don't you love that? That's so beautiful. Praise God. And I'd like Leone also to just share, share also what Jesus did for you. Okay. First of all, I want to honor God that I'm up here alive because it's only thanks to him. And then Cornell for my husband for releasing me to come up here 
So we've both got big stories of salvation from sin and our marriage is like a scene out of the Gospels, another one, but it's still a big deal for you to release me to come here say, and do this to glorify God, so thanks. My story's got a, a bit of similarity to Kylie's and Glenn with all the brokenness in childhood and divorced parents, domestic violence, um, and I had childhood sexual abuse as well, so by the time... I reached my teens, I was a bit of a mess and started using drugs and developed an eating disorder at age 15. Started having anorexia and bulimia. I went to university to study psychology because I thought, oh, if I, do a, if I do a degree in psychology, maybe I'll be able to work myself out. Maybe I'll be able to Diagnose yourself. not confess all these things I'm ashamed of to anyone and just work, work on myself. But I ended up having to see psychologists and psychiatrists later, and I'll get to that. But that didn't work, and I just got worse and worse, got major depression, was told I wouldn't be off medication my whole life because my mum had it and I had it. So a life sentence of that. But I continued to do this study and that study once I finished my degree in episodes of depression, using drugs and alcohol. And then I had an abortion after a series of relationships with violent men. So a lot of trauma from domestic violence. And then a week later, I rang up the local brothel and started work as a prostitute. And like I said in the first service, and I'll probably say it forever, it's, apart from the abortion, abortions, the most soul-destroying thing I've ever done and can imagine. And even now being married, I'm... God's just done so much healing in me with that and the childhood sexual abuse and everything that 20 years of therapy couldn't even touch it. The depth that he can go, Thank you, it Jesus. couldn't even touch what man can do. I mean, what he can do is just phenomenal and man can just, just touch the surface, but God can do miracles in the deepest parts of us and I'm so thankful. So then... Everything just spiraled incredibly out of control. I dropped out of my master's degree and got hit more and more heavily into drugs and alcohol, trying to numb the pain from what I was doing, what I was choosing, trying to numb the pain from it, and ended up in my second rehab, and it happened to be a Christian one. Because mm. my brother carried me into hospital, skin and bone, and said, Leonie, God is the only thing that can save you. And that planted a seed in my mind and then God brought a Christian nurse to my bedside who secretly wrote out scriptures for me and gave them to me and gave Christian books even though she could have gotten fired. So then I chose to go to that Christian rehab and had an encounter with Jesus and that changed everything. And my parents and were going, wow, what's happened to Leone? And there was a revival in my rehab, people becoming Christians because I was changing so radically. Yeah, and I... The Salvation Army, that was the rehab. They asked me to go and speak at a businessman's breakfast with Clive Palmer and go on TV and all that sort of stuff because it was amazing to them too what was happening and rewarding. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so then I left that um, and I got out of the sex industry despite the huge pull of fast money, quickly, lots of it, all that, and drugs and alcohol. God healed me and helped me forgive things that you couldn't forgive in the natural either. Like, how do you forgive someone who sexually abused you? And so much chaos and mm -hmm. problems came out of that. Mm -hmm. Only God. The, uh, tell about the, um, 
the eating disorder. Mm. Yeah, so a lot of things happened very quickly in the first year as I got so hungry for the word and prayer, and, but then the eating disorders took quite a long time to go, two to three years, probably more like three, just more longer and longer periods to go, and I was so despairing, and, and at first I was feeling condemnation, and then I, then I learned to go to the throne, not run from him, but go to him, because that's where I'd find the, receive the mercy and find the grace that I need, and eventually after digging in and digging in, and even going, I remember going, God, I know that with you all things are possible, and tears running down my face, but just continuing to declare, to declare the word and dig in. <laughs> And he set me free from those. It's been like five years. Thank you, Jesus. So, Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. That's good. Thank you so much. And again, would you even know? Praise the name. Of, he's, he's able to save. He's able to he save absolutely completely. Is. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Aren't these wonderful testimonies? And the deal is, is I know uh, there are all different kind of testimonies uh, within this room, maybe not the same, not just exactly, but our lives are a testimony that he is able to save to the othermost. In, in Daniel, the third chapter, you know, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had gotten thrown into the, uh, to the fiery furnace, the king saw that there were four men in there and that the fourth was like the son of God or was the son of God. And when he brought those men out, he made this proclamation. He said, there is no other God that can deliver like this. We have a his reputation is delivering. It's what he delivers. One thing that I, I, I love, because each testimony was really unique. We just saw, bam, like, like uh, Glenn just found himself standing in the middle of the room, you know, worshiping God. Uh, and, um, and, and Kylie's was, it was kind of a, a, a working of God, a gradual working of God as he transformed her and opened her heart up to receive him. And then, whoa, what a wonderful work he did. And, and she, the work that God is bringing through her, the deliverance that she experienced, she's passing on now to other people. I love that. In the same way that Adam's, Adam's choices uh, were not private, well then now when we make the right choice to the Lord Jesus, the effect can also not be private, but the same deliverance that works in us can work through us. Don't we love that? And, uh, and then also with Leone, uh, what I liked about her testimony uh, and helps us today in what we're wanting to, to uh, look at from the scripture, from Romans primarily, and we're going to stay within Romans, go down this Roman road, uh, is that a transforming work of the Savior, the Lord Jesus, to get her out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And how those, those works then, that, that bondage that gripped her in that uh, realm, in that dominion of darkness, were broken off of her. And then she also gave the testimony of how the, how the eating disorder, how that that was transformed after she got born again. It wasn't, it wasn't immediate. She did some things in God, and we're going to talk about what 
she operated in and how she went to the throne of God, it works perfectly with what we want to look in here. Salvation from the kingdom of darkness, but salvation continues to work in us after we're born again from sin. We have been supernaturally freed from sin. So we're going to look again to the Word of God. And in Romans, the sixth chapter and the sixth verse, it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our life. We are no longer slaves to sin. Let's just say that part right now. I am no longer a slave to sin. The work that Jesus did on the cross, he did for us. But this verse of Scripture says something interesting. Paul doesn't just say that he was crucified for us. It says that our old sinful selves were crucified with him. Now, you weren't there. You're, you, you weren't there 2,000 years when Jesus was crucified. So how can this be? How is it that we were crucified? This is not about your body being crucified. This has to do with the spiritual element of every single human being, our spirit. And it calls, it calls that core of us uh, our old sinful self. The uh, other translate, like a King James Version says, the old man, the old man was crucified with Christ. And the reason he was is so that, doesn't just say that so you can have a home in heaven when you die. And thank God, aren't you glad that you're going to heaven when you're done with this life? But that's not what this verse of scripture says. It says that this happened so that sin would lose its power in the life that we live right here before we go home. And that before we go to heaven, we don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. Well, that new, we, we have a new man. We don't have the old man. The core of every single one of us, if, when we are born again, becomes new. And that old man has a work that Jesus did on the cross for us or with us, that old man is crucified with him. And as a result, we're no longer slaves of sin. Verse 7 says, for when we died with Christ, so verse 6 says we were crucified with him. Verse 7 says, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And I hear you're alive, but according to this verse of Scripture, you died with Christ. When did that happen? It's not talking about your body. It's talking about the condition of the man on the inside, your spirit. That old one died with Christ, and as a result, you aren't anymore under the power of sin. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, the way I see it is that this, this old man attached to this old man, the spiritual old man, attached to that were chains of sin. You were shackled to that old man. Chains of sin, oppression, depression, abuses, all kinds of dysfunction, and not just outrageous ones, 
But even little type of things that we perceive as little types of sin, those chains were chained to the old man. When you got born again, that old man died and that chain was broken. You're not any longer chained to sin. Praise God for that. But let's keep going. Let's go on to verse 3. Back up to verse 3. Or have you forgotten that when you, when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in our death? He's talking about when people are baptized, you're identifying with him in his death. Verse 4, for when we died and were buried with Christ by by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now the reason I I like this, uh, this last phrase is really important for us because This whole work that God accomplished in Christ, um, there's tremendous power in this work. I was thinking when we were singing that song, Andy, from the inside out, from the inside, I thought, that's such good news, such wonderful news. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel, the good news, what God did in Christ is the power of God. It's not just a story. It is the power. Can you say power? But that power in, in the gospel is directed toward and was directed toward the chain of sin, the shackle of sin to our old man. And it says that now we may live new lives. And I like that word may, because if people don't know, people don't know that this happened, then even after they accept Jesus as their Lord and, as their Lord and Savior, they may still walk around with chains on. And we don't have to. The work that Jesus did was to legally set us free. So let's just keep going here in chapter 10 and uh, 6 and verse 10. It says, when he died, he died once. Why did he die once? To just take us to heaven? It was beyond that. It was to break the power of sin. That's what it's for. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11, so you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Actually, this is why baptism is so important. Baptism is not just a traditional Christian thing that you, you know, that uh, Christians have and celebrate baptism. It's not just a ritual or tradition that we go through. It actually gives us an opportunity to identify with Jesus that I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, you know. But it's beyond that, that we're not just identifying with the person of Jesus, we're identifying with the work of Jesus. And when we go down into the water, it's saying that my old man was buried. The power of sin that was attached to that old man, shackled to that old man, is been broken because that old man has been buried. And then when you come up out of the water, you're declaring that just as Jesus raised uh, to live in the glory of God, I have been raised to a new life. 
Not just life after this life, but a new life right here on the earth. I have been born again to live free from sin. Amen? I'm going to ask you again. Amen? Amen. That is the truth. Well, actually, we're having a baptism in, in November. And if you'll put that information there, there, if you've not been baptized, we really would recommend that you... Uh, do exactly what Paul says and consider yourself or reckon. Take that opportunity to say, mm, I'm with Jesus. I'm with, with everything he did, not only for me, but I identify with everything that he did. And I reckon the old man is dead and the new one has been raised to life. Now, now go to uh, the sixth chapter and the twelfth verse. Because how many of you after you got born again, uh, have ever experienced a frustration with sin? Anybody in this room? There's a few. The other ones have been perfect. Never, never dealt with any frustration with sin. I, I, I know everybody, because everybody still has flesh. Everybody has has dealt in some way and maybe not with the same situations of, a, of the testimonies this morning, but everybody has dealt with some kind of sin. Look at verse 12. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Let's just stop right there. If the other bits that we have just been talking about, that sin's power has been broken, the chain or the shackle has been broken because that old man has, been di has died. That old man, when you got born again, is no longer, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. Uh, they died. If people don't know that, or they don't take that into consideration, and they dive right in on verse 12 and 13, the way that these verses of Scripture can be ministered or given out is, don't let sin control you. Stop it. Stop letting sin control you. Stop doing that. Start doing the right thing. And it comes directive and, and commanding. Don't do this. Don't do it. However, however, the way that the word of God is given to us is the reason, the reason why uh, the power of God broke sin's power in our life gives us a whole different way of receiving verse 12 and verse 13 based upon the truth, based upon what God did in Christ when he broke the power of sin and that old man died and you became a new person and that the, the power of sin is broken, the way we present 12 and 13 is different. Based upon that truth, it says, so don't let sin control the way you live. Don't let it. It's not, stop it! It's Beings that sin, you're no longer under its power. Don't let it. Do you see the difference? Don't let it. Control the way you live. 
Don't give in to sin's desires. It's not like, it's so based upon the truth. Don't let it, don't let it uh, control you. Verse 13, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead and now you're, you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to the glory of God. Verse 14, just the first phrase. Let's look at this. Sin is no longer your master. Wow. Sin is no longer your master. Can we just say that? Sin is no longer my master. Now, when you know that, you can believe that and act like it's true, and it releases the power of that truth in your life. It's knowing the truth of something, acting on that truth, and it releases the power. These things are true whether you act on them or experience them or not. Jesus provided it for us. But that's why we're telling the truth so you can believe it and receive the power of it in your life. Now let's look at chapter 8 and verse 2. And it says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Look at verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us. The law of Moses was unable to save us. Why couldn't the law of Moses? In other words, the law basically just gave us exactly what God required of us, how things were intended to work. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. How? That is, that is how life is meant and works the most harmoniously when you obey the law. But that law, this, this scripture said, was unable to save us because, why? Of our sinful nature. Our sinful nature. Now, the way that I, I see this in, to, uh, to get a hold of it, we talked about the old man being like the shackle that the chain of sin wraps around your life. The sin nature we got actually passed down through, uh, through our flesh. How many of you have flesh? Ah. Have you recently been aware of it? If some, if somebody in your life made you grievously aware of it? Yeah, all of us do have flesh. That sin nature basically is the susceptibility and, uh, uh, of to sin. And until we get a new body, these bodies uh, are going to have a sin nature in them where these sin bodies or these bodies are not infallible. However... It says here that the law of Moses wasn't able to save us because of the weakness of sin, uh, of the sinful nature. So what the law did, it tells people of God's requirement or the way God, uh, the way God demands or requires different areas of our life for life, for love, for light to reign in our life. Well, the thing about it is, there's no power to do it. It can tell you what to do, but it doesn't give you any power to accomplish it. 
Don't do it. In fact, the chapter before, chapter 7, says that the law actually stimulates your flesh to rebel, to rebel against it. It didn't give an example of really, like, horrible, what we perceive as horrible type sins. The example that chapter 7 gives us is even covetousness. The Bible says don't covet what somebody else has. Chapter 7 says that when you get that law, it stimulates something in your flesh that makes you start covet. When you hear that something is wrong, you start obsessing on it and doing the wrong thing. How many of you have done something that you knew was wrong? Wave your hand if you did it more than once. Don't you find comfort in all the waving of hands? <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. So basically, we're human. But keep on reading here. Uh, so God did what the law could not do. What the law does is tell you what to do or what you're supposed to do, and then when you do the wrong thing or don't do the right thing, then the law does another thing. It says, shame on you. You break the law, and it says, shame, shame, shame. You know, uh, a parent can raise their child with that, too. You do. You, put, you, you help a child to know what is good, what is the right, what's expected. But a child is not always going to do the right thing. But putting shame on them does something very horrible, and it actually accelerates or it actually amplifies, it actually puts a spin on the very thing that you don't want to do. All right? So let's just keep reading in this verse. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in the body uh, in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control by giving us his son as his sacrifice for sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, and there's that terminology there again, sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So the, the sin, sin that was in the old man or attached to that old man, the power of sin, was broken when we were born again. That shackle is broken. The chain that can wrap on somebody's life is no longer, after you're born again, attached to a shackle. You've been, that chain has been broken. But sometimes that chain can still be there. Have you, ever, have you ever come upon a fence or something that has a chain and it looks like it's all locked up, but on closer examination you find that the chain's just been wrapped around and it's actually not even padlocked? It can just come loose? That's exactly the way chains are after you've gotten born again. They're not attached to anything. The t attachment was that old man, and that old man is dead. You're free from that shackle, but there can be a chain. And that chain, we see Jesus even dealt with that, that if we will follow not 
the, the desires of the flesh, but d follow the, what the Holy Spirit is putting in our heart and uh, this new man that actually we end up obeying the law, but not because it, we're supposed to do it, you're not supposed to do it. It actually comes from the inside out, from the inside out, from the inside out. He has changed me. It comes from the inside. It's not imposed here. It comes up in us. All right? So now let's keep going here. Romans, the 8th chapter and the 12th verse. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I love this verse. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Here's the deal. It's a trick. Those chains make you feel like you're still, like you're bound. The presence of the chain is just that they're not attached to anything anymore. And what your sin, the, the inclination in your flesh caves into sometimes, you're not obligated to do it anymore. Through the work that God did in Christ, you have a choice. And you can rebel against that and say, I'm not obligated to do that anymore. Think about it, how God changed things around in Christ from what Adam experienced in, and gave to the rest of the human race. God gave Adam a command which he didn't do because he chose his own way. He rebelled against God. He rebelled against what God said. The work that God did in Christ has given us as born-again believers the right to rebel against the tyranny of doing the wrong thing. You have a right now to say, I'm not obligated. The very thing that taunts you that it's, it's going to be there, it's been there, you have a weakness in that area, have a weakness in that area, you don't have to be intimidated by fear about it. You don't have to be intimidated by shame about it. You can boldly say, I'm not obligated. Can we just put that in our mouth today? Say, I'm not obligated. Now, what that may say to one person may be different than what somebody else is saying that to. But all of us, to whatever tries to get us to cave in, maybe it's self-pity. Maybe it's talking about other people. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's lifting something here or there. Maybe it is, it's just wrong thinking. Maybe it's taking advantage of people. Maybe it's whatever it is. We're not obligated to do it anymore. I love, um, Kylie was saying, there was so much that came down through the generations. Uh, there was just a way that the, the family operated. But it's not operating in her family, and she's not obligated to keep that going. She has a new family. She's passing different things to her kids. Not only her kids, but a lot of other kids. Deliverance, good things are coming through her that came to her, are now coming through her for, the other, uh, for other people. So let's look at this. Uh, Let's read verse 12 again, and it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature. What is that sinful nature? It's not the old man. They're two different things. 
The old man is your spiritual condition. That old man died, and you have a new heart. The sinful nature is just the human, the flesh, and everybody has that. But we're not even obligated to do what our flesh just says, I want to do that. I've always done that. I want it. I want it now. I, I love this in, in, Leone's, in Leone's testimony where she, she had an eating disorder and in the, in the first service said she would just make herself sick. And, and so that propensity or that, that obsession to keep doing that, how do you break out of that? By just thinking, I can't do that. I'm not supposed to do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. No, that'll make it worse. That makes it worse. But something on the inside, being led by the Holy Spirit on the inside, <laughs> breaks that off of you. Now, look at, again, in, in verse 4, back up to verse 4, it says, who no longer follow their sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Before we were born again, all there was was an influence from the external. But now that we're born again, we have a power of God on the inside. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 13. For if you live by its, the sinful nature's dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And what this death and this life is talking about is there is a way of living. You can, you can live your life like a dead person. You can have death in your life. But if we live by what the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us, we live life. We give life, all right? Look at verse 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, we use this verse of Scripture. We usually just lift this verse of Scripture, and we use it for uh, uh, teachings concerning being led by the Holy Spirit with regard to um, choices in life and where we should work or, you know, being led by his spirit. But actually where it's placed in the Bible, in Romans the 8th chapter, it has to do with being led out of places of bondage in your life. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth that if we believe it and take it, it makes us free. Hallelujah. There is no bondage in anybody's life that is attached to anything legal after you're born again. Legally, you have been made free. Those chains are not attached to anything. Uh, I thought about this recently. You know, um, a friend of mine had a, a, a vision, actually, of the... Of, uh, it was a prayer vision concerning the Statue of Liberty. And, um, and she made mention in this about the chains and the shackle that were around the Statue of Liberty's feet. Well, I never even knew there were chains down there. You always just think usually about the torch and the, and the book that she's carrying, and it stands for liberty. So I honed in on and Googled that, and sure enough, 
there are chains. It was, it was designed by, you know, the man in, in France to symbolize abolition from slavery and symbolize other things as well. But to, to, to depict this statue was uh, meant to be a symbol of liberty. But I thought it was so interesting that the chains were still around her feet, but the shackle that actually put those chains to her was broken, was open. When you are born again, that shackle is broken. Don't be intimidated by the presence of a chain. It is not legally there. I know from just having been back in, in America, there is still slavery in some ways, you know. There's oppression in, against people in some ways. I, and it's there, it's evident, but it's not legally there. Legally, it's been changed. No longer is it legal to have slavery. In God, in God, through the work that Jesus did, sin is no longer legally attached to you. You can rebel against it. You can bow up against it. Whatever used to force you and drive you, don't take it laying down and just keep dragging the chain and maybe painting the chain and making it pretty as it drags behind you. It's not right. Sons of God are not to have chains. And you know what? You have a right to say and say boldly, I'm not obligated to that anymore. All right. So if you live by its dictates, look at verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Verse 15. And you've not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit. He adopted you as his own child. We call him Abba, Father, in Kylie's testimony. And she'd been in rehabilitation, tried to get out of what was holding her, tried to. What, what helped make her free? The power of love that started coming into her life, the love of God, the love of God. The love of God is not just smaltzy and kissy. And, and the love of God is powerful, powerful to help you but destroy what's ever against you. Praise the name of the Lord. The love of God loves you and hates what is trying to destroy you. Oh, guys, this is the spirit that we've received from God. It's a spirit of love, not of condemnation and not of shame. Receive his love. It empowers you to not be weak. It empowers you to not just be, you know, just be tolerant to everything. No, it empowers you to raise up and say, no, I'm not obligated to that chain being around me anymore. So I'd like us to look at uh, an application to what we can do with what this, um, this little journey through Romans we've taken today. First, starve the monster. Starve it. That sin nature, your flesh, can be like a monster. Well, what's its food? 
you horrible person. That never helps a person. You terrible. Layers of shame never make you better, never bring you up in life. Monstrous food is shame. Fear, fear of doing the wrong thing. Fear that it's going to overtake you is, is food for that monster. It eats it and grows with it. What else is? Condemnation is. Another thing, another thing that feeds it is when you give in to it, it grows. It gets stronger whenever you give in to the flesh or give in to it. Well, what you can do instead is say, I'm not obligated to it. That's what you can do. Instead of feeding it, you're not obligated to feed it anymore. And receive the love of God that casts out fear. Casts it out. Hallelujah. There's nothing for it to live on. The second thing you can do is feed your new man. The new man that you are in Christ. Feed it with the truth of God's word. Feed it with the love of God. Be, be flourishing in the love of God. And then, because you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, follow him. He'll show you. He'll show you what to do from the inside out. And when you respond to him, because you're not obligated to do just what your flesh says, you have a choice now. You can follow what's on the inside and what he'll do. He'll lead you out of whatever used to bind you, and even after you're born again, even though not legally, can be a, a, a problematic in your life. He will lead you out of it. He will lead you always to triumph and to be dominant over what used to dominate you. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Can you guys come up? I want to pray for you today. Praise the Lord. Father God, I thank you for these testimonies that we heard today. I thank you for it. And um, while we were worshiping the Lord during the time of worship, we were singing, for he is great. He does miracles so great. I just had a, a real consciousness in my heart, as I said at the beginning of this message today, that he wants to do miracles today. Could be in, this, in the areas that we're talking. Could it be in an area that, you, that has bound you? Could be in the area of, of, of healing, where a sickness has, has been on you, like a bondage, like a chain. It's not there legally. And Jesus wants to make you free today. There's anointing to break that today. It could be any kind of uh, a lingering sadness or, or gloom or feeling bad. Jesus wants to break that off today. Don't drag chains through life. He wants you free. The whole work of the cross was to make you free. So in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for your great plan of redemption. And that your plan of redemption was to break the power of sin over our lives and in our lives and to give us the right 
to say no. Give us the dominion in the matter. Give us the power in Jesus' name to say no. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.